What is up, party people, and welcome back to the Chemistry Cake online podcast, where chatting about chemistry has never been sweeter. Chemistry Cake is online, and we have got a treat for you folks. I have not one, but two sweet friends with me today, Sophia Jelani and Carter Cohen, hailing from Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Sophia is currently a PhD student at Georgetown and received her bachelor's degree in chemistry with an emphasis in secondary education from Dominican University in River Forest, uh, Illinois. Carter is currently a rising junior at Georgetown. And for the listeners at home, just in case you were wondering, you heard right. Georgetown is in Washington, D.C., over on the East Coast of the U.S., and we are all currently in San Diego for the ACS Fall Meeting. So that makes this episode especially sweet. Sophia Carter, uh, thanks so much for joining me. It is super, super sweet to have you on the show. How have you both been enjoying San Diego so far? Uh... Sophia pointed to me yet again, so I guess I will go first. Uh, I've been to uh, San Diego before, and I like San Diego. It's good weather. It's nice to see all the Navy ships. Uh, everyone's super nice. Uh, I have family here, so it's never a dull moment. Uh, people say it's the best city in the country. I would say the best city in the country is San Francisco. <laughs> that's just me, and I'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's my very first time um, visiting San Diego, and I absolutely love it. Everybody's nice, everybody's sweet, and I am love struck by California. <laughs> well, we're, we're happy to have you. Um, so, as I understand it, uh, you both study electrochemistry, namely ethanol fuel cells, which convert chemical energy in the molecular bonds of ethanol into electricity by applying a voltage, which is super cool because this has a potential application in renewable fuels. Sophia, can you tell me a little more about the nuances of this project? Uh, Sure. Um, So the idea in a fuel cell is that you take a molecule and convert it um, into electricity, and that electricity would power your car. So we're looking at using converting ethanol to electricity. And so our project has different parts. Uh, One part is synthesizing catalysts to help promote this reaction to completion because a significant problem in this project is that it'll partially oxidize or partially generate electricity, and we want it to be energy efficient. We want it to go to completion. Mm -hmm. And so one part of the project is synthesizing catalysts. Another part of the project is testing them electrochemically Mm -hmm. to see how much current is generated. And then the third part of the project would be studying the reaction as it's happening or in situ um, using in situ infrared measurements um, or in-situ NMR measurements. That's that's super cool. That sounds like a really cool project. Uh, Okay, well, Carter, what has been your favorite part of this project? My favorite part of this project? Um, Well, I think I've learned so much. There's no course in undergrad at Georgetown that specifically focuses on electrochemistry. So to just join a lab that's focused on that, it's kind of like another world. Right. Because there's not, I'm a biochemistry major, and there's not a lot in common between, I mean, there is a lot in common. It's chemistry is chemistry. But, (laughs) you know, writing a cyclic voltammetry uh, is not too similar to writing PCR. So (laughs) it's cool new skills to learn. But I think just the project over the summer, hanging in lab and having a good time with my friends, well, the people in lab who I now call my friends, that's always fun. It's a community, so. That's super sweet. Oh, that's great. I'm glad that you feel that way. I Uh, feel that way. Amazing. Um, So, electrochem 
it was pretty beyond me. Like, it, like it's wild. Uh, it's and beyond me too. Yeah, it's right. Beyond me three. Oh, amazing! <laughs> I'm glad that we are all on the consensus. Um, so, what has been the craziest thing that you've seen in this field? The abuse of aquaregia. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> Electro. From what I've learned in the electrochemistry world, it's that I don't want to say they're obsessed, but it wouldn't be wrong to say they're obsessed with cleaning glassware. Mm, so yeah. it's not clean until you rinse it with aquaregia, yeah. rinse it with piranha, yeah, and then boil it twice. Yeah. With water. With water. But electrochemists are very thorough. And oh, yeah. use a lot. I use a lot now too. If I want to clean like a fifty milliliter beaker, I will. <laughs> I will use dollars worth of reagents because I like precision. That's what I tell That's myself. Important. Yeah. But it's a lot of reagents. I mean, as as a nanoparticle synthesist, right? I have to clean my glassware. Maybe not to that degree, but I, I definitely have to uh, like just drown my glassware in in pretty strong base bath for hours uh, just to make sure that it takes off all of the nanoparticles on my glassware like my I work with polydopamine right which has incredible incredible adhesive properties which is great except for when you're cleaning glassware and so you can just see this very like thin film of just like grunge on my glassware so I, I, I feel that I feel that uh, <laughs> one of my colleagues uses piranha often so she's like I I'm making piranha you might want to like don your PPE and I'm like and I'm in the office space. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, I'll just leave. Um, in any case, a lunch break. Yeah, let's just lunch break, like a very long lunch break. Sophia, what was it? What's been the craziest thing that you've seen in this field? Uh, there are many, many things. Um, well, one that um, I had mentioned before um, was that um, in one of my uh, projects, it's um, taking in situ measurements. Right. And one of them is in uh, using NMR. So the idea is that you apply a voltage, you have an, this um, electrochemical reaction happening that generates current, but it's all happening inside an NMR magnet and you're taking NMR spectra in real time. And so um, just fundamental physics that if you have um, current generated that affects the magnetic field, and if you're affecting your magnetic field, you're decreasing your signal to noise in your NMR spectra, they get noisier. So um, one hack that I learned from a professor was that she would shove a wooden broom down the magnet floor yeah. <laughs> uh, to help absorb any stray current to help the signal to noise um, of the NMR spectra. So that's, life hacks. That's like some MacGyver stuff right there. That's amazing. Okay. Oh. <laughs> a wooden broom down the NMR magnet. Got it. Cool. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, that's wild. Okay, well, to shift gears just a bit, uh, something that I wanted to chat about um, is mentorship. And frankly, I can't take all the credit because Sophia brought it up in conversation, and I think it's a really great topic of, of discussion, so we are going to talk about mentorship. Um, and I can speak on my own behalf that my experience being mentored has been exceptionally beneficial to my growth as a scientist and an overall human being. Um, some of you may recall I had Alex Mantinona on the show a few episodes back when we chatted about single molecule magnets, and he was certainly a phenomenal mentor, um, and I really, truly appreciate him. Uh, I actually would, I would go so far as to say that he inspired me to, to pursue graduate school um, instead of professional school. Uh, because uh, it was a better fit for me. 
Um, and he mentored me so well that I would love the opportunity to turn around and mentor someone else and pay that forward. However, uh, while my experience was really fruitful, it was not without its challenges. Um, I know that I am not the easiest human to mentor. Uh, because I was extremely timid in the lab, but uh, Alex matched my timidity with his patience. Um, and so on the mentee side of things, other challenges of mine included being incredibly nervous that I would royally mess up his project and set him back for weeks, if not months. Um, so to put the listeners at home at ease, I actually did a decent job. So Alex's project is alive and well. Um, actually, he's putting out two publications soon, which is super amazing. Um, so like, yay, Alex. Hey. Yay. Uh, but in any case, I wanted to ask uh, Sophia, what are some areas of growth on the mentor side of things? Areas of growth? Like so like challenges. Challenges. Um, you can be honest. <laughs> no, it's not I you. I don't get offended easily. No. It's not you. Um, it's, um, something I struggle with is that um, as a teacher, like in a TA setting, I've learned that um, students learn a lot from their examples, right? So like you could say to a student, do this, do that, but more likely they're going to learn from seeing how does the TA or the professor act, right? right. Um, and so something I think about with being a research mentor is that I have flaws as a researcher and I get concerned if like my like mentees may pick up on those flaws, like that could right. be like... Uh, self-doubt or it could mm-hmm. be um, doing things maybe too many times than I should right mm-hmm. or, or little things and so I want them to grow in their own unique ways but not pick up my bad habits right because I'm right. still learning at the same time too for sure so that's definitely a challenge right mm-hmm. okay yeah and that's definitely something like I think that that most people like worry about when they mentor is just like oh I don't want to mess up but it's also like you know we're we're human and we have our flaws and and I think, at least from the mentee side, like seeing that my mentor is human makes me more at ease because it's like, wow, okay, I have the freedom to be human. Now let's grow together. Um, okay, cool. Well, so Carter, what has been the most rewarding experience for you in this mentorship? Uh, it's exciting because Sophia has just turned away and she's a very <laughs> shy person. She won't say that, but she will show it. Um, I would say the most uh, rewarding experience. Huh. I mean, honestly, I'm sorry. There's like a little backstory to this. When I was like an 11 year old and I saw people doing like research at a high level, I would be like, why do all these people take so many breaks? Why do they like, why do they go to the, like, if you're a scientist, why don't you just focus purely on research and like make more progress faster? And like at that point, I understand that like scientists are people too. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the amount that people work, you need to de-stress. And so when I came to the lab this summer and worked like full time, like uh, 40 hours a week, asterisk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear that, Dr. Tong. Um, uh, <laughs> When I came to lab, I worked a lot. I would, like, find myself at, like, 1 or 2 p.m., and I'd be, like, pretty tired. And I could always, like, talk to Sophia, and we could, we could go to, like, the Wawa down the block that had just opened up and get a chai. And I think just having a friend who, you know, that was with you, like, through thick and thin, when, you know, my synthesis got, I made, like, 12 test tubes and only one survived. Mm-hmm. Like, someone who's there to, like, 
you know, help you get through it and be like, oh, I'm a garbage researcher. No, like these things could have gone wrong, but let's do better together. And so, I don't know, just I think the patience and the friendship that's come from it. You know, having a mentor is like a rewarding experience because you learn so much, but you also have like an ally who will go with you through like the good and bad of your research. As Sophia says all the time, we are a team, which I do think is true. I'm going to upvote that a million times. <laughs> Alex Mentznone, if you're listening to this, upvoting it a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophia, Sophia, what has been the most ex- rewarding experience for you in this mentorship? The people on the podcast can't see me, but I'm really red. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so many things that are rewarding about mentorship that make me think about being a professor one day. Um, I did not foresee coming to graduate school. I knew I loved teaching because I have that high school teaching background, but I didn't know I'd love mentoring in a, in a research lab. So I have to thank you know the people I've worked with, including you, Carter, uh, for <laughs> helping me learn <laughs> more about that. Um, something rewarding is um, seeing how uh, my mentees grow in their own unique ways. And like, it's one thing like, okay, you're able to get an A on like an orgo exam or something like that. And it's another to see like a student who came in in the beginning of like fall semester as one person. And then at the end of, you know, spring or summer or the end of their undergraduate career as another, right? Like Mm -hmm. with more critical thinking skills, you know, more confidence, Mm -hmm. uh, more like thorough or like more individuality or Mm -hmm. whatever it is for that student. And so each student is always different. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, being part of that process, I don't know, it's very, very rewarding. That's super <laughs> sweet. Oh, I love that. Ah, yay mentorship. Okay, well, Sophia, if you could give one piece of advice to a mentee and or mentor um, to have a healthy and fruitful men- mentorship, like what would it be? I would like to preface this by saying that I am no expert in any way, shape, or form, but something that I find um, useful in my experiences of being a mentor and a mentee um, is that to have the attitude that like we're in this together that we Mm -hmm. are a team I don't like that a lot of times in the scientific community we see like people may treat it like a hierarchy like I don't know these people are underneath these people who are underneath these people no we're all learning we're all trying to solve the scientific problem together so like you know Carter and I we work together like you know if we try something and it doesn't work you know we both like fall together right if we try something and it works we both rise together like we're we're in this journey together right. and I think that that's something that I found very beneficial for me and my like other mentees that I've had mm-hmm. but then I know some people may treat it as like you work for me or like you do this and I do that I'm like I don't know I just don't think that that's good energy and so right. I feel like being on a team together learning together willing to try new things together that's something that works for me that's great oh that's awesome okay Carter, if you could give one piece of advice to a mentee and or a mentor, what would it be? Uh, well, I think it depends if it's during like the summer or the school year because during the school year there's a lot less time to do stuff. Right. So I would say realistic expectations from like both sides. Right. I think at first when we started our mentor-mentee relationship, I we had like sort of a different level of like how much I would come in and like how much what like my schedule would look like on a weekly basis mm-hmm. but not that it was a problem like we solved it out and we like found a system that worked for both of us like our system during the spring semester was coming in on Sundays from mm-hmm. like nine to one or whatever it was because the work we didn't just really work for me right um so I think 
being on the same page and like the student talking, or the, sorry, I say student, but we're both students. Um, the mentor talking to the mentee and the mentee talking to the mentor about, you know, what your schedule looks like and how many hours a week you'll be able to give because I think it just isn't really beneficial to like, you know, come in the most you can this week and get the most you can done. I don't really think that's the best way to go about it. I think there should be like a structured schedule right. where, you know, you can help the mentee also organize themselves because as like a college junior, while I should be pretty organized, I'm not entirely organized and I'm late to stuff. I forget stuff. So I don't I know. I forget stuff too. I know. That's why I'm saying it's both sides. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think mean, it's saying that it's like, you know, it's good to set a realistic expectation expectation so that you can make like good progress because if the student thinks they only need to come at in like two hours a week whenever they want to, mm-hmm. and you know, the grad student sets up all this stuff for, or the mentor sets up all this stuff for them, you know, the mentor is kind of wasting their time and the mentee is kind of being disrespectful. Right. But like it can also be the other way around if like the mentee comes in a lot and the mentor has not given enough time mm-hmm. or like set a realistic expectations. Right. And so I think that comes in many different forms. I think we've seen it. I, I think we got off on a pretty good foot and figured it out pretty quickly, but I definitely think that can be a stalling factor. Indeed. Um, I think another thing to, to plug in as a, as a mentee, um, honest and open communication of saying like, hey, I, like, you For know, sure. like being able to say to your mentor, hey, I can't come in this week because X, Y, Z, or like, hey, I can come in extra because this, or hey, like, this thing didn't work, how should I go about this? Or, hey, like, I don't feel comfortable doing this, can you help me? Uh, That question, can you help me, is probably one of the most important questions to be able to ask, and yet one of the most difficult questions to be able to ask. Whether you are, regardless of whether you're a mentee or a mentor or anyone, just that question. Um, But definitely is a huge skill uh, to be able to have as a researcher, and so, uh, 100% a, a share your sentiment. That, yeah. that can be a very hard question to ask. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think also, like, when you're talking about, oh, I can't come in this week, like, just honest communication. Mm-hmm. Like, some weeks when I had exams, I don't think it'd be even smart for me to go in because if yeah. I'm just thinking about my organic chemistry exam yeah. and I'm, like, doing ICPMS solutions, all it mm. takes is me to <laughs> turn the dial one way wrong. That was... Sorry for the trigger warning, but um, oh, it, all it takes is me. You know, you have to be focused. You have to be yeah. focused on what you're doing in lab. Mm-hmm. And if you have other stuff on your mind, it's it's not always the best thing to do. Like if you're just doing busy work, like mm-hmm. measuring the size of nanoparticles, sure. But <laughs> otherwise. Uh, yeah. I know my mentor had, had told me like, Cake, I care more about the quality of work that you put in for my project than the quantity of hours that you come in because if you're coming in and you're worried about like five million exams, like it's not going to be helpful for either Mm -hmm. you or me. And so if you can come in in for two hours and really focus and get a lot of stuff done, that'll be more beneficial. Be efficient. And I was like, okay. Uh, That's something that I learned as as an undergrad is efficiency Mm -hmm. um, and quality of work. And there's also, like, I think something to say that, like, you could just have, like, an off day or, like, mm-hmm. an off week where yeah. you're, like, you know what, even if I do come in, I won't do research well or, like, I really need to focus on my coursework, right, or something right. like that. And so I think it's also okay to recognize that you could have an off day, yeah. right? And that was something, like, even my, like, I, I can't speak fully on behalf of Alex, but, you know, there were there have been times where he said, I can't come into lab today, I'm not feeling well, or, like, I need to focus on this, and so, like, understanding on both sides is really, uh, I think, healthy for a mentor-mentee relationship, and so, um, yeah, okay. 
I also think there's like hitting. Sorry, I, to add on to that. No, you're fine. I think there's also like some hitting ble- hidden blessings and like. So like some days Sophia can't come in or some days I can't come in and like one day when you were away because you had just gone back from like South Africa and you were like super jet lagged which is understandable. I was in lab and like it kind of pushed myself for the day to sort of do everything on my own mm-hmm. and I think because she had taught me how to do it like many times before and like me actually executing it on my on my own for mm-hmm. once I thought that was just a cool experience oh, yeah. that I became like fully independent in mm-hmm. elect- or, like running cyclic voltammetry right I didn't have to ask you for it not that it's bad to ask you for anything but it was like a cool experience yeah. to like because that's so. that's the hope of a, of a mentorship is to be able to to invest in an individual uh, in the hope that you can be beneficial to their growth as a, as a researcher so that they can be like self-sufficient and then they can turn around and do the same thing. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're hoping for multiplication as, as opposed to addition in terms of, you know, cultivating uh, skilled scientists. Um, and so like, I know because Alex had invested so much in me, like it was a really steep learning curve where like, I think it had been easily four months of him really just walking me through every step like holding my hand just to be like because you know I I was working I was doing box chemistry I was working in a a dry box and so immediately my mind is oh there's no air there's no water things are going to explode things are going to be explode because those are pyrophoric explosive materials um but him you know he had said to me and also my supervisor because we were all in the box room um had said Christine these are uh these are hazardous materials but as a chemist, we are not here to fear them, we are here to respect them. And that really changed my my perspective of, oh, you know, like that one thing that they both said to me was like, okay, now with that like perception, I feel like, I feel more confident in my ability to be a chemist. And so him seeing that, he started to like hold back on the reins just a little bit and, and was allowing me to be free to make mistakes, uh, free to kind of navigate his project um, and learn on my own and like have my experience be my teacher. And so that was really, really beneficial as well of like me making a mistake and him not being disappointed in me was really, really advantageous in in my growth as as a scientist. So that's really cool. Super, super cool. Ah, okay. Well, um, final thing, lightning round, chocolate cake or pumpkin chocolate chip cake go pumpkin chocolate no chocolate cake <laughs> no frosting though mm. never mm. any frosting oh when i submitted my answer um i like chocolate chip pumpkin bread but like i was like some people call it a cake and i don't know like is it a cake is it a bread because i wouldn't eat it like with peanut butter well if it's a bread then there's no frosting on it so i switched my vote because chocolate cake usually has frosting on it and i feel like it's unrealistic to ask for there being no frosting oh so I'm on no, fr- I'm just team no frosting. <laughs> team no frosting. <sighs> I will not be offended. Anyone, everyone is entitled to their own opinions. It's fine. We can but some opinions are better than others. Is that what oh, you want to say? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> not by any means. It's okay because here's, here's the thing. If you don't like frosting, you can just give your frosting to me. Well, when I, when I get a cupcake, I get a knife and I do the, yeah, I, I'm you, doing the motion where I just do a line over the frosting and then I just plop yeah. it in the trash. Or you could just plop it onto cakes, a cupcake, so I have double frosting. If you're there, then I'll gladly will, give it yeah, to you. Yeah, okay. Just, and if I'm not there, you could just, like... Seal away in a Ziploc bag. Yeah, just, like, <laughs> ship it. <Right? laughs> it's like, hey, cake, you've 
got a, you've got some Washington DC frosting coming your way. All right, all right, all right. Settle down, folks. Settle down. This is all in good fun. All in good fun. Um, but it looks like we are nearing the end of our chat. Sophia Carter, thank you so, so much for joining me. It really has been a sweet conversation. Thank you for inviting us. Of course, of course. It's been a delight. T-Y-Y-W. Um, <laughs> listeners at home, thank you for joining us today. It is always so wonderful to have you. If you would like to follow the many electrochemical adventures of Sophia, you can follow her on Twitter at FineTraces786. That is at F-I-N-E-T-R-A-C-E-S-786. Sadly, Carter is off the grid and does not have a Twitter, but not yet, not yet, not yet. Get <laughs> hashtag get Carter on Twitter. <laughs> um, and y'all know you can follow me at chemistry cake if you would like to partake in the hype. Um, it is always a privilege and a pleasure serving as the Cake Nation's designated hype woman. This is your friendly reminder to stay hydrated, keep the hype alive, and to edify your village. Thanks for tuning in, Cake Nation. This is Chemistry Cake signing off. <laughs>